Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all today. We're glad you're here this morning. Good to see those that are online today. We're also glad you're here today. We're excited. We're starting a brand new series today. We just got out of our Easter series, which thank you so much for being a part of Easter last week. It was just wonderful um, and just celebrating Jesus' resurrection. In fact, if you came back this week from Easter, you were new last week, um, welcome back. My name is Kyle. If we haven't met, and if you're brand new today, we're glad you're here. And we're excited. As I said, we're in a new series called Kingdom Values. And we're going to be examining the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be parking for several weeks. But today we're talking about kingdom values. So say that with me. Kingdom values. When we think about values, values are things that we um, value and maybe we teach other people. So for example, parents, um, our, part of our responsibility is to teach certain values to our kids. To, to love God, to respect our neighbor, to brush your teeth, to make the bed, all kinds of things that we pass on that we value. In fact, a while back, um, I remember teaching someone who was new to the community some value about restaurants. Okay, let me just tell you this. All right, a while back, somebody new to our community, they had ate at a couple staple restaurants here in the area. I'm not going to say who. And I'm not going to say where, okay? They ate at these restaurants. They'd been there a few times, and they looked at me, and they go, I don't really get the big deal about, about these two restaurants. I said, first of all, don't ever say that again, <laughs> okay? If you're going to live around this area, you do not talk like that, okay? <laughs> and two, you need to order something else, right? So I was teaching this value about what it is to be a local here in Pittsburgh, and Jesus, he taught things way more important than that. He talked, he talked about spiritual values. Because as followers of God, there are certain things that God values. And what he values, he calls us to value. Amen? And so with that, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to talk through, I'm just going to read all of, the, all of the Beatitudes today. And then we're going to park next to the first one. So Jesus is always in teaching mode, and he's no different here. He's teaching the disciples and those that are listening what it means to follow him. And here's, what it, here's where it starts. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came to them, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's where we're going to park today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, let's finish it, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's read it together. For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown what, church? And blessed are the pure in heart, let's finish it, for they will see God. Then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Man, we need more of those. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? children of God, and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, let's finish it, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, let's read it, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus lays out these really important truths. We're going to 
take each one of those and look at them over the next few weeks. And our children and our children's church are also going to be looking at these. Our Columbus campus is looking at these just like any other series. Some very important stuff that we're going to be learning from today. So this series, not a lot of fluff, man. Just meat and potato stuff that Jesus is laying out. In fact, this is a series that we'll repeat every three or four years. We'll put something different to it. But really, it's something we need to be reminded of and just, be re- and just remember today. So today we're talking about the poor in spirit. Let's say that. Poor in spirit. So if you're talking to some people when they think of this, they may be thinking of, well, somebody who doesn't have money sometimes just from a surface glance is what they may think that this is talking about. And it's not talking about that at all. So I looked up in the smart books what this blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven means. They're, they're called commentaries. Matthew Henry is a pretty basic commentary that helps you break down what the scripture is talking about. It gives you a little bit more depth to it. Here's what it says. Okay, we're going to spend a little bit of time understanding this before we get into our takeaways today. Here's what it says. Poor in spirit means to be humble. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, to be humble and lowly in our own eyes. To be poor in spirit is to have humble thoughts of what church? To have humble thoughts of ourselves. Paul, we know, who wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament, Paul was rich in spiritual things, excelling most in gifts and graces, and yet he was poor in spirit. So the example that he's given here is, look, if anybody could boast, it would be Paul. I mean, he wrote most of the New Testament, started a bunch of churches, went on three missionary journeys. Here's a guy that has all kinds of, um, what do you want to say, fruit, so to speak, from a missionary and Jesus follower perspective, and yet it says that Paul was poor in spirit. The least of the apostles, less than the least of all saints, and nothing in his own account. It is to be willing to make ourselves cheap and humble and little to do good. So I just want to stop there for just a minute. Humility doesn't involve thinking little of yourself. It simply means thinking of yourself little, okay? So just real quick today, we're not called to have a low self-esteem. We're not to think poorly of ourselves. It's just that we don't think about ourselves a lot, okay? So just want to clarify that. It's willing to, be, to make ourselves cheap and humble and little, to do good, to become all things to all men. It's to acknowledge that God is what? Amen. And we are? Yeah. That he is holy and that we are what, church? Sinful. And that he is all and we are? Yeah. And he goes on. He writes a little bit more. He says, this poverty in spirit is per- put first among the Christian graces. In fact, everything we talk about today, every other message after this is stacked on top of today's message. I mean, Jesus could have, he could have picked any one of these eight. There's eight attributes, eight beatitudes. He could have picked any one to bat lead off, any one of those to go first. But he picks this one to be the first one that everything else stacks on. The philosophers, right, not Christians, but philosophers, they did not reckon humility among their moral virtues. But Christ, let's finish it, puts it where? First. The foundation of all the other graces, let's read it, is laid in humility. So Jesus starts with humility. He starts with this idea that we're called to be poor in spirit. And, and if you went to the Good Friday service, Pastor Adam basically preached a lot of this message today. It was great. 
It was powerful stuff. It's understanding that we're, we're being saved daily and there's nothing that we can do to earn that. If you missed that message, let me just reiterate it today. You just need to know this this morning before we go any farther. There's nothing that we can do, no amount of good works, no amount of serving on church boards, no amount of volunteering at the door or even volunteering in the nursery, right? That's a little bit more hands-on. <laughs> it's okay to laugh, guys. It's all right. Or, or anything that we can do, sitting with an older person day after day. You know, some of us know people who like to be martyrs, and they really like, you know, just to put themselves in these lowly positions and, you know, no, you just do it. I mean, there's no amount of all those things that we can do to earn our salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. We're all sinful without the grace of God. Amen? It's only through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus talks about being poor in spirit. And then he tells this parable in a different part that really puts flesh on what it means to be poor in spirit. He gives this example. And he, it's interesting, the two people that he uses are a Pharisee and a tax collector. It's like a joke, right? A rabbi, a priest, and, you know. He uses a, a Pharisee who, who's the religious person, and he uses a tax collector. Now, there was probably more than two, but there was two occupations back then that weren't thought of well. One was a prostitute, and another was a tax collector. No, everybody in here, if you're an adult, you know what April 15th is every year, don't you? Okay, if you know what it is, say it out loud. You ready? Taxes, right? Yeah, taxes. We dread April 15th, all right? And, and we dread January when you get your W-2, and if you think you're going to have to pay in, you start, well, I got to put this together. I'll put that off, right? Man, even back then, tax collectors, you didn't want to see the tax collector, and they were greedy, and they were known to not be honest people. Jesus uses a tax collector, and then he uses this religious person. And you would think that the story is going to kind of paint one of them in a good light and one of them in a bad light. Remember, Jesus was always turning things upside down. And he talks about, he uses these two kinds of people to explain what it means to be poor in spirit. Then Jesus tells the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Jesus says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the religious person I was talking about, and the other was a despised. It doesn't just say, I mean, Jesus is saying this. He doesn't just say tax collector. He uses the adjective despised. And the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee, the religious person, stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. Now, I can't imagine praying this prayer, but Jesus uses this example. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. Okay, I'm not hearing poor in spirit. For I don't cheat, smoke, or chew, or date any girls that do. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> I'm in a mood this morning, okay? For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't what, church? Well, good for you. I'm certainly not like, listen, then he prays this. I'm certainly not like that. Ugh. Okay? <laughs> he not only fasts. But he fasts how often? Wow. <laughs> I fast twice a week and I tithe. Not only do I tithe, I give how much? A tenth. Wow. <laughs> a 
I'm trying to imagine praying this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that guy. And I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income, in case you didn't know. Okay? So we, we see that that's not poor in spirit, all right? That's pride-filled, all right? And then he uses a tax collector, the despised tax collector. But the tax collector stood at a distance, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, let's read those yellow words, Oh God, be merciful to me. So Jesus reads that. Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. He says that. And then he says, here's the teaching moment, right? He says, I tell you this sinner, I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified. Justified. Justified means just as if I never sinned. Not the Pharisee. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Not the religious person that tithed, that fasted, how many times? Twice. That was at the temple all the time. Jesus, right? We're talking about kingdom values here. What are we supposed to value? Well, we see it in Scripture. The Bible's filled with values. Jesus points out eight in this series. And he says, listen, I value poor in spirit. I, don't, I value poor in spirit over works because the Pharisee, nobody in this room really going to beat the Pharisee in terms of works. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. Then he says this. Then he says this. For those who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled. And those who humble themselves will be what, church? Exalted. So we see here, this is, this is going to be a good series. This deep, mean potatoes truth, man, that you can live your life by today. He's explaining that those, I mean, these are Jesus' words, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, whether you, whether you want it or not, when you humble yourselves, Jesus says they will be exalted. Okay? Some powerful teaching stuff today. So here's our first takeaway this morning. Jesus never intended for his followers to be prideful about their walk with God. Just grateful and thankful. Jesus never, I know it's basic today, but man, it's good. Jesus never intended for his followers to be prideful about their walk with God. Just grateful and thankful. Listen to what Paul writes in the second chapter of his letter to Colossae. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in who? In him, talking about Christ. Rooted and built up in, in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And, let's read it, overflowing that's our, and Adam talked about it on the Good Friday service as well, overflowing with gratitude, just simply being thankful. Can I just tell you today, over the years, I mean, I've been a pastor a long, well, not as long as some, but for a while, and man, you hear statements, not just from our church, but just people in general, wherever they, 
man, I've been going to this church for this long, or, or I've been on the board for this long, or I'm a third generation Nazarene. That doesn't mean anything to Jesus. If you're not overflowing with thankfulness for what he's done for you, he doesn't care about rewards and titles and positions. So what? We're all peasants without Jesus. There's no pride there. There's no room for pride. How can you have pride when Jesus died for us? A funny story that I've told many times over the years. I try to come up with new stories, but the old stories just work. And if you've been around a while, you've heard this quick story. But if not, then you'll hear it for the first time. But years ago when I was in college, I was actually driving down this street on Quincy. And I was looking down. We didn't have phones back then. That's how old I am. But we didn't have phones back then that you, well, you did have a phone, but it was connected to a wall. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> this would not be the time to say, but some of you are. No, that would not be good. <laughs> But no, I, I didn't have a mobile phone, and I was driving down the road, and I think I was, I dropped something on the ground, and I went, I reached down to grab it, don't do that, and I rear-ended a car that was in front of me, and it was a really nice car. I want to say it was like a BMW or something. I mean, I was broke as a joke, college kid, and we pulled over. I, we weren't going that fast, but I mean, I dented it. He gets out, and he looks at it, and of course, I'm like, oh my word, you know, and he looks back at me, and he says... Don't worry about it. That's, that's grace. And can I tell you today that there's no room for pride when someone gives you grace. Well, I was looking down, so it's really not my fault. Well, you know, I'm glad you let me off because, I mean, I've never done, I've never had a wreck like that before, so I shouldn't have to pay. I mean, you know, all those kinds of things we can maybe come up with. There's no room for pride when someone gives you grace. There's no room. Jesus is saying there's no room at the, there's no room at the table for someone who's, who's filled with themselves. Those who, will be, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the same way, we all understand that in a situation like I just described a minute ago, our only posture is thankfulness and gratefulness. Thank you. And we understand that concept, and it's even to a greater degree with our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. You know, pride doesn't represent who Jesus is or who he calls us to be. You know, in our culture today, kids and adults too, but even kids, when you tell them to do something, coaches, if you're a coach or a teacher, you know this, they want to know why. You remember the Karate Kid movie where Daniel wax on, wax off for those who are older? And finally, he's like, why are you having me do all this stuff? I mean, I, I want to learn karate, and all you're having me do is wax your cars and paint the fence. Why? I mean, teach me karate. And then he shows him, right? If you know the movie, he shows him. Daniel, son, show me paint the fence, right? And then he, <laughs> I told you I was in a mood. He pops at him, and he's like, you know, catches it. Show me wax on, wax off, right? And he does it, and he realizes this whole time he's been teaching me. I thought I was just doing this for no reason, but he's teaching me. And you know, when we trust God and we, tr and we have faith in what God's telling us to do, it may feel like sometimes that nothing's happening, but understand that it is, that God is doing something in us. Pride, though, as believers, we need to understand this. Pride, if you go work at a company... Um, 
and you do any training ahead of time, they're going to tell you what their core values are. They're going to tell you what their mission statement is. They're going to tell you what is expected and what isn't expected. They're going to tell you how to handle situations, how not to handle situations. I mean, every year, for those of you who are teachers, you have an, a beginning of the year conference that you go to, and they kind of lay things out for you. They give you, here's who we are. Here's who we aren't. Jesus is saying to them, and he tells us today, listen, if you follow me, you can lose pride. It is not who I am. You know, pride, it says that I can do it on my own. Pride says I don't have to be under anyone's authority. Pride says I know best or someone other than God knows best. Pride says I will show them. But humility, on the other hand, recognizes that I can't do it on my own. Humility says I come under the authority of God through his word and his spirit. Listen, if you love God, I'm just going to say this. If you love God, then you, then you love his word. You can't love God and not be willing to, to come under God's authority. His authority is his word. And let's just be real. It's a discipline sometimes to read God's word. Whether you read it on your phone or you read it, you know, just like this, like this. But man, how are we supposed to know what God wants from us? How are we to be, remember, to be reminded how much he loves us? How are we to be convicted when we're doing something we're not supposed to do if we're not taking in his word? To know God and to love God is to know and love his word. That's the truth. Humility says, I come under the authority of God through his word and his spirit. Humility says, I don't know best. Humility doesn't say, I will show them. Humility says, God show me. So this morning, listen to this passage of scripture in James. Let's read it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace. Oh, it doesn't say prideful. It says humble. God opposes who? He opposes the proud. So I'm just going to bring it home for a minute. So far, we've just been telling you what it says. Now let's do some application for a second. Is there an area in your life that you have pride? The answer is, of course there is. There's an area in your life, maybe that you're not filled with pride now, because we believe in our doctrine that God can free you from sin. But is there an area in your life that you are vulnerable to pride? And the answer to that is definitely yes. So the question is, what is it? What is that area or areas in your life that it's easy for you to get filled with pride? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remember, Jesus never modeled pride. I mean, as we follow him, right, we're to copy others. Some of you have kids or grandkids, and they do things just like you do, right? I hear my, my son sometimes saying the same things I do, and know it when he looks at me and goes, wonder where he heard that from. Well, it's the truth, right? But one of the things is we're following God that we have to remember is pride doesn't represent who Jesus is. And people can't see Jesus in us if we're filled with pride. There's no greater example of that than the cross. Paul talks about it in his letter to Philippi. He says, though he was God, he's talking about Jesus, 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he, what did he do? He gave up. He gave up his divine privilege. He took what kind of position? The humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, let's read it. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Let's read those yellow words on the screen, those three phrases. Gave up, humble position. Jesus didn't model pride. He never modeled it. So let's bring it home. When you're at a basketball game and the ref makes a bad call, what are you modeling? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Here's our last thought. The poor in spirit are the ones who experience salvation and also the abundant life Christ Jesus talked about in John 10, 10. What do I mean by that? How can we receive salvation if we're full of pride? The answer is we can't. It's only through humbling ourselves. We cannot receive salvation if we're not poor in spirit. We see on the cross. You remember this on the cross? Those who remember the story? There's two thieves on the cross on either side of Jesus. They're both guilty. They are both guilty. One's full of pride, tells Jesus, hey, if you're who you say you are, get us off of here. And then the other guilty thief humbles himself and says, hey, remember me. And Jesus says, I will. We can't experience salvation without being poor in spirit. And also, the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10, remember, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Other versions say, have it to the fullest. Listen, the only way that we can receive abundant life and live in that, it's one thing to have it once, right? It's another thing to live it out. To, to constant, because like, okay, I have peace today because I've submitted myself to God. Okay, but tomorrow's a new day. I have a choice. Am I going to submit this back to God or am I going to hang on to it and be filled with pride? Every day is a new opportunity to, to live the life that God's called us to live or to choose another path and to experience the life that Jesus is talking about. It starts with poor in spirit. That's why Jesus bats lead off with that in the Beatitudes. He says, first thing right out of the gate is we start teaching. Humble yourself. Don't be filled with pride. So two questions as we wrap up today. I'm going to ask the band to come. Two questions. Pretty simple. It doesn't matter what your wife thinks or your husband thinks. You know, if you were to lean over to your family and say, hey, do you think I'm poor in spirit? First of all, that's an odd question to ask somebody. But there's only real one person we have to ask that question to. It doesn't matter what other people think. Maybe everybody around you thinks you're the most humble lady or the humblest guy they know. Maybe even they say to you, man, I wish I was humble like them. That's still not the person to measure yourself against. What does God say? Would Jesus say you're poor in spirit? Would Jesus say that I'm poor in spirit? It's a question we have to ask ourselves more than once, right? All the time. So here's my challenge today. 
And it's, maybe it's something we do today, but really it's something we should ask all the time. What if you asked him and then, he, and then listened to what he had to say? We all know those people who don't want to ask the question because we know we might, answer the, we might get an answer. Like sometimes I'm afraid to ask my wife around the house, what can I do to help? Because she might tell me, <laughs> right? It's a loaded question. Hey, babe, what can I do to help? Well, and we kind of do that with God too, don't we? Like if I ask God, am I poor in spirit? He might say that I'm not when everybody else thinks that I am, and I'm just going to go with that. But what would happen today in this setting, and even beyond today, if we just simply said, hey, God, how am I doing with the whole pride thing? Is there an area in my life? And honestly, Lord, you have permission anytime you want to check me when I'm getting out of line. Let's stand together this morning.